0: the harshest of operating conditions. Large-scale investment, planning, and commitment places the offshore sector in a league all on its own, where the stories of people aren't found anywhere else. From safety to operations to new technology, we look to break down this often mystified industry and shed light into the unknown. You're listening to the Oil & Gas Offshore Podcast with your host, Andy Lash.
1: All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Oil & Gas Offshore Podcast, where we are making waves in the oil and gas industry. Today, we have David Talafiero, Commandant of Cadets out of Cal State University Maritime Academy, California. David, thank you for for your time. look forward to talking to you today.
0: Yeah, thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me. Super stoked to be here. Yeah,
1: absolutely. How are things going for you today?
0: Pretty good. You know, it's Friday out here on the West Coast. And despite the fact that our world is a little crazy right now, it always feels good to be stepping into the weekend. Yeah, it's always nice. Now you're in San Diego? Just a little north of that. We're actually up in the Bay Area, actually, just oh, outside okay. of Oakland.
1: Ah, okay. 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 Yeah. I don't know why I thought San Diego. I will say the last interview I did actually earlier this week was with another maritime training facility that was in San Diego. Training Resources Limited Maritime Institute. That's what it was. <laughs> I was drawn. It's been a long week.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So well, I actually just learned a lot about them through maritime training and, and everything that they're offering. And I know that you guys have you know a different focus, but still very important for the industry. And, and you guys are doing a lot. And I want to learn a lot about that. So again, thank you. Before we get too far into everything, of course, we want to shout out and thank our sponsor, Tidewater Tidewater owns and operates the largest fleet of offshore support vessels in the industry with over 60 years of experience supporting offshore energy exploration and production activities worldwide. If you're interested in support for your maritime operations, you can learn more about Tidewater through their website at tdw.com. And as always, please however you see fit, I would love some feedback. Any good, bad or ugly, it all helps us make the show better. And helps us reach a larger audience. So wherever you receive this content, you should have an option to to provide that feedback there. Like, share. You can find us on social medias, all the different social medias. And let us know what you think. We greatly appreciate it. I'd also make the same request for anybody that thinks they might make a good guest on the show. So we're always looking, as kind of mentioned, as (laughs) David, as you've already mentioned, the, the world's pretty crazy right now. So getting schedules and everything like that can be tough getting lined out. So always looking to have more guests in discussion and getting scheduled for future shows. So reach out if you think that would be a good fit for you. Well, David, how about we start where where I normally start and we just learn a little
0: bit about yourself and kind of how you got to where you are in the industry. Great. Thanks, Andy. And I think the fun part about Maritime in general is that it seems like everybody has a pretty neat backstory and and path to how they got into the industry. For myself, I'm a San Antonio, Texas native. And despite the fact that it's kind of in the middle of Texas and not really near the coast, there's a lot of strong connection of maritime and certainly a town like San Antonio from a military logistics standpoint. And for me, I got recruited to the United States Merchant Marine Academy to play football. So those were my initial first steps into the world of maritime. And fast forward to today, I'm happy and proud to say I've been at the California State University Maritime Academy for almost two years as the commandant of cadets. And since my first days stepping into Maritime Academy world to where I am now, it's involved a lot of really fun experiences overseas, both as a mariner and as a reservist in the United States Army. And so my background primarily includes maritime industry work on coastwise tankers, maritime education at the academies, and uh, military service overseas in the Middle East.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for your service in the military. That's, that's always appreciated. we love supporting that here on the OGGN. Thank you there. Now, did you spend a considerable amount of time, you said you had time at sea. Would you say that was the majority of your experience or did you hold you know shoreside positions as well?
0: Yeah, good question. So yes, is the short answer. So I originally started in San Diego, General Dynamics, NASCO in the industry, building ships for Military Sealift Command. At that time, the TAKE program was hot and heavy. And so stepped right into that. And within a year, because of the world at the time, I found myself overseas in support of operations in Iraq. And when I came back, that kind of led me to another shoreside opportunity in Washington, D.C. And then moved into going into the ocean-going side of the house through American maritime officers as a third mate on the coastwise tanker the Lawrence Gianella, the Mighty G. The Mighty G. That's right. Old T5 tanker. I think it's one of the most special communities of mariners i bumped into who either sailed on the Darnell or the Gianella or the three other, I think three other uh, T5s that were out there. Everybody who sailed on one of those, I think speaks very fondly of those ships and it's sad that they're, they, I think they're almost all gone now with the exception of the Houston.
1: What what was it about those ships that led everybody to speak so fondly of them?
0: Well, I guess in the case of the Gianella especially, it, it ran a really unique mission for a long time. For several years, it ran up to Thule Greenland, the Air Force base that was up there, and down to Antarctica to the McMurdo Ice Station. So it, it had that sort of special mission to it. And I think just the ship overall, it wasn't a massive super tanker like uh, I think many of the ones that we see out here in the Pacific, but it was a great ship to learn on. Whether you were a cadet on there or sailing as an AB or a mate or an engineer, it was just a fun ship to be on. And I just generally had really great experiences with the crew and the operation. So wonderful.
1: There's always... Always good stories. That's the one thing I've I've really enjoyed listening to everybody's stories and you know everybody traveling the world and getting to see all these all these locations as a mariner. I I never had that and I've seen a bit of the U.S. for for my career, but travel the world is something special. And I think that that of of learning that's that's a big draw to the industry when when you're starting out, right? Like that travel is quite often what's bringing maybe students into your academy or, and just bringing into the industry as well. Would, would that be accurate in your eyes?
0: I, I think so. I think it is a, you know, unlike so many of the other, maybe more popular options in education that steer you towards maybe what are more common career paths. This one definitely offers a sense of travel, a sense of working with your hands, a lot more of an experiential learning model and I think certainly our cadets uh, speak to that and are driven by it. So I think those are those are definitely key points and big parts of how we sell and attract potential cadets, both sort of traditional cadets as well as you know transfer, non traditional, not directly out of high school. Gotcha. Okay.
1: Well, and that kind of leads me into. My, my first question and and kind of the the overall topic that we were going to work through today which is what does it look like to go through maritime academy
0: and you
1: know what do you cover yeah
0: because there are a couple different options that you have there are not many of course but a couple and i've been to almost all of them now and have been able to talk with a lot of people a lot of different graduates and of course having worked it to now i, I get the benefit of having certain real-time experience and how they come together. But I think some commonalities right off the bat is that there's a really strong sense of tradition and a strong sense of community, a small sense of community in the sense of for cadets or midshipmen, you know, they're going into a university setting that's got really small class sizes, very specified curriculum. There's a heavy emphasis across all of the Maritime Academies on leadership development. And with the world being what it is right now, you know, we can't have too many good leaders running around. And I think all of the maritime academies pride themselves on producing leaders for the industry. So
1: good. Yeah, I would agree with that. We could use some good leadership on many fronts, right? So let's just start kind of from the beginning. Where do most of your students and cadets start from? Are, Are they coming from High school or are they coming from some other career or, or you know yeah where good does that question.
0: Start? I think for us, we have mostly high school students that are coming in as first year cadets, although in the past several years we've seen a rise in what we call transfers or non-traditional matriculation. So cadets who are a little bit older who maybe already have a degree or who've had a separate career and now are switching careers. We see that actually as a growth for us. And certainly in California with community college being that much more achievable and affordable, we do have a lot of connections and relationships with those community colleges to make the transfer seamless as possible once they get to get to us.
1: Nice. Yep. I went to community college in California many years ago. I went to Cuesta College in San Luis Obispo. (laughs)
0: so yeah great great town great area that's a great school so
1: yeah yeah i never finished i'll put it i'll be honest but (laughs) i went several years and then got a girlfriend and and eventually a wife and a job and didn't go back to school but
0: i've done okay (laughs) but (laughs) yeah uh, no absolutely i mean (laughs) that's what i'm saying when we were talking earlier about you know everybody's path to maritime seems to be just a little bit different there may be some commonalities but Man, there's a lot of fun, unique stories on how people get into this.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so now let's let's look at it from. So we've kind of heard a little bit about where your students come from. But now let's look at it as okay. I'm a new student. Obviously, that background, like we just talked about, is going to change my starting point and maybe the the route ahead in the academy. But where do most students start from? Like course material, and you know wh- so what are they the- learning?
0: The start of academy life really focuses on being part of either the university in some sense. So, some programs require all of the undergraduates to participate in either the regiment of midshipmen or the Corps of Cadets. Cal Maritime is one of those that makes that offering for everyone. And so everyone at Cal Maritime wears a uniform, regardless of whether they're pursuing a degree, that, a degree that grants them a U.S. Coast Guard license or one that focuses on shore-based opportunities. So for us, this start really is understanding the cadet experience, understanding the lineage and tradition of excellence that the university has had. And in our case, we just celebrated our 90th anniversary, our 75th in Vallejo. So 1929 was our was our start. And so for the better part of 90 years now, we've been focusing at the start on making sure that you feel like you're part of the team, you're part of the Corps of Cadets. And we think that that's really important to set the tone, whether you're going out to sea or whether you're working in shoreside. Because the industry is so demanding and so community-based, those models translate very well when you get to a maritime company or organization or a logistics-based organization that you as an employee there really has a, a good sense of what it takes to build community and, and how you show up and help co-create that.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great, great starting point, a great, great message and, and lesson to learn through everything forward do most maritime companies today do they run you know with strict dress codes and uniforms and you know some of that regimented policy kind of like like the students are are learning from day one
0: yeah i mean i think it, it manifests a little bit differently so i think the dress codes and policies translate in the sense that i think the industry is more safety conscious than it's ever been oh good the technology is more sophisticated The discipline to execute the operations, whether it's drilling, whether it's like the super tankers I talked about, you know, there's so much attention to detail and so much technical specificity that's required in some of these roles that, you know, we see the transfer of how you wear your uniform and how you hold yourself and the practices of accountability and being able to speak up if you see that something's wrong. We see all of those things transfer very well into the maritime industry, even though, for example, you probably won't see too many companies these days requiring their employees to wear a khaki uniform, but I think you will see them making sure that they wear a safety vest or a hard hat or glasses or gloves, and that they'll attend very specialized classes even after they're out that uh, require a real strong learning mindset that we hope to still, while they're here at the university.
1: Yeah, I know the parallel between a uniform and something like PPE is is real clear when you put it that way. So, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense. So they start off with learning, you know, those core skills of creating community and everything you just listed, you know, speaking up for what's right and a general confidence in what they're doing. And I know this can be really broad, but what is the actual like kind of nuts and bolts information and material that a mariner is learning in the academy? You know, I mean, it's not just how to swim or, you know, emergency stuff. Right. But what what are all those different kind of categories they go through?
0: Yeah, I think for us, we're similar to the other maritime schools and offering sort of a, what is like the traditional based programs of marine transportation and marine engineering so we do offer those. And I think the nuts and bolts of those really get at the the transportation industry and the inner workings of the ship, whether that's through navigation, not just the electronic forms that are so popular today, but also basic seamanship. And then you also have on the engine side, you have a lot of focus on getting your hands on every piece and part down in the engine room. And not just understanding the theory of how the machinery works, but also having a very practical skill set, being able to troubleshoot a system to be able to understand where a valve may be not functioning the way it's supposed to. So you've got this, I think you put it very, very nicely in terms of nuts and bolts. I don't think you were trying to offer a pun there, but <laughs> I think that a lot of the cadets that come to us are very mechanically inclined and they continue that. That's one of the reasons why I think they find the curriculum very attractive is they do get that hands-on technical piece combined with the leadership development piece and emphasis on, on global awareness and how connected the maritime industry really is across the country and across the globe.
1: Yeah. I came into this job as the host with little knowledge of the maritime industry. You know, I've I've gone over my path here plenty of times on previous shows and I'm learning with every episode that I go through, every interview I I learn more. And and that's something that that is always eye-opening to me is is truly how how much maritime matters to everything we do and people have no clue, right? Produce and goods and you know, all the stuff that gets shipped around the world and you know, they just don't put two and two to really realize that it pretty much came on ship at some point. It's very likely, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think it's, you know, the the statistic that always gets touted is I think over 90% of all goods move via ocean freight. And then of course, all the ancillary transportation pieces, logistically maritime touches. And then one of the other focuses that Continually comes up nowadays is the study of the ocean. And that's nothing new, but I think the statistic is you know, more than 70% of the world's protein for the entire population comes from the ocean. And so having a, a pretty strong understanding of what's going on, despite the fact that a lot of research is underway on it, there's still, I think, a growing demand for oceanography. And really, that's one of the things that Cal Maritime is a new degree program that's being offered this year. And we have some really world-class faculty and very creative cadets that are diving into that degree program this year.
1: Awesome, And that's a perfect segue kind of into my next thought, which is now that we have decided to go to the Academy and we've kind of talked a little bit about what we're going to cover at the Academy, what licenses or degrees or credentials or, or what are some of those different items that the Academy offers those cadets when they finish? And then roughly, what are some of the timelines on how long those take to to achieve?
0: Yeah, great, great question. And I think there's a lot of different ways to come at this because again, we're lucky in that we have our cadets and graduates, not just sort of going over the horizon on the ship, but they're also working the shore-based logistical operations and policy operations And so there's credentials, shore-based, and there's ocean-going credentials. The most popular topic probably for Maritime Academies is the U.S. Coast Guard license. And for the most part, everyone offers an unlimited tonnage program that puts graduates into either a third mate or a third assistant engineer spot. And there are several other credentials that are popular in that pursuit, fast rescue boat the tanker man person in charge, probably more sophisticated and more related to oil and gas is dynamic positioning. And so there's a lot of those that uh, I think all the academies have a little bit different resources and approach to them, but those are all ones that we keep an eye on and that those are just high demand across the industry. And then in terms of the shore based, you know, you have logistical programs, professional programs that offer additional licensing and partnership. And then there's several different credentials that are related to policy creation and environmental studies. So for us, it spans a a full gamut there. And our faculty and our university advancement and school of professional education does a really good job of offering a lot of those specialized courses to help round out not just the bachelor's degree or the license program, but just the overall experience in terms of getting prepared for the industry.
1: Yeah, no, that's a nice broad scope of offerings there. I mean, and most of those I'm assuming are, are, are like a four-year degree and, or, you know, a four-year yeah. degree. From last, you pick
0: them, you'll pick parental. them up along the way for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome.
1: Ali Cedeno was who Got you and I connected here. We had a wonderful interview for her show, and she's, of course, doing a ton of stuff for the industry with Women Offshore and her foundation and podcast there. When we were talking with her, she talked about that there's really two different types of academy, and I might get the names a little off, you know, but you have like a federal academy, and then you have Non federal academy, I guess, would be the two of that the way she broke it up to me. Are there advantages, disadvantages? I mean, how do those different academies change your route or focus?
0: Yeah, great question. The Federal Service Academy is the one that I went to my undergraduate and that Allie also attended. And special shout out to Allie. Really excited for her work. I know they're doing some expanded mentorship offerings through Women Offshore. And, you know, I feel privileged and honored that Allie connected us and that she's been a really strong partner for the industry in so many innovative ways. So I think, you know, really the biggest takeaway for, you know, the differences in the two two academies, the state academies and the federal academy, you know, one is cost. So the Federal Academy, similar to the other service academies that most people have heard of, West Point, Annapolis, the Air Force Academy, the Coast Guard Academy, those are all federally funded and require congressional appointment and a very strict application process. The State Maritime Academies are just that. They're state-level funded universities. And while you pay for your tuition and room and board at the state schools, their offerings are a little different. So whereas at the Merchant Marine Academy at Kings Point, everyone graduates with a license, a bachelor's degree, and a commission in the military, primarily in the, the Navy Reserve, the state maritime schools don't incur an obligation in that way. So while you can elect to go into the reserves, or you can pursue a degree program that also comes with a U.S. Coast Guard license, you don't have to do that. And so there's just generally a little more flexibility at the state schools in terms of how you shape and experience your education.
1: Sounds like you're going to pay for the school one way or the other, (laughs) either monetarily or with your time and commitment and uh, service.
0: Yes, one way or another, you're (laughs) going to pay. So... It's been a great experience for me to see both sides to be a graduate and have worked at Kings Point but be here now at Cal Maritime and really get to see another side, a really diverse way of doing things. And
1: how, you know, separate from from what we've learned about the federal academies, how does Cal Maritime set itself apart from other state academies?
0: Well, great question. I think for us, part of it is geography. We are the only Maritime Academy out here on the West Coast. The closest partner to us would be in Galveston at Texas a and Maritime. And the other pieces and parts that are really unique for us out here in California is, according to the Department of Education, we are the number one public university in California for alumni earnings 10 years after enrollment. We are the number one California college for raising students from the bottom 20% in the family income to the top 20% and number one of 15 four-year colleges in the U.S. to receive a perfect score for value added to student outcomes. And that was by the Brookings Institute. And while there's many other accolades there in terms of how we approach our work out here in California, as opposed to maybe Kings Point or the other state schools, you know, we just have tremendous access to the entire West Coast. Many of our alumni are spread out as far down as San Diego and up to Alaska, out to Hawaii. The Pacific Rim is really our, our backyard. And, you know, as I sit here now, the location of the campus is right next to the carquinez Strait, which has, you know, a very visible showing of the industry coming in and out every day. And so whether it's ocean going or whether it's shoreside, you know the connection to the industry out here in California, you know we we don't compete with the other Northeast schools as much as they're packed in up there at Maine Maritime and Mass Maritime and SUNY Maritime. and Kings Point are all sort of in rock throwing distance of each other. And so for us, we definitely enjoy the geographic piece of it. I think we have a much stronger environmental focus part of that is the culture out here in California and just the resources and thought leaders that we really get to partner with out here and you know i think for us it's just being able to really offer a neat experience along those those different avenues
1: yeah no that, that's far more differentiators for you guys than than I was expecting and those accolades are quite spectacular that that's awesome I mean coming coming from California myself I'm starting to think I went on the wrong path man I, I should have had this podcast years ago I could have been
0: <laughs> Yeah well like I said Andy uh, we're taking transfers so you know I can <laughs> I can put you on with admissions here you know a
1: guy all.
0: Yeah you know somebody who can help me out <laughs> Yeah I think I, I think I know somebody who can help you out there <laughs>
1: Awesome awesome What's your favorite part I mean you you've been doing this a while you you know you know, the beginning, the end, the the middle, when a class of cadets comes through, what's your favorite part?
0: Yeah, great question. And I think I'll answer it in the sense of the maturity and development of a cadet over time to believe in themselves. Maritime academies and Cal Maritime, they're challenging experiences. And oftentimes you have too much to do and not enough time to do it, which if you ask many adults these days, that's probably good practice that if you (laughs) if you can get comfortable with that sort of discomfort, then you're gonna be well prepared for for whatever comes next. And I think, you know, really seeing that development and self-efficacy show up, that's really, really special. And the light bulb moments from transferring what happens in a classroom into an internship or out on a ship. Those are pretty common and they're just really special to see. So I think those are those are some highlights that I really enjoy in the work that that we do out here.
1: Yeah, that's gotta give you a sense of accomplishment, a real you know, real visible accomplishment with what you're doing. We've beat the question to death, of course, with everything we're going through right now, but it's an important one. So, you know, kind of finish up with this question, how's this COVID pandemic affecting you guys and, and having students in class and actually getting through the material that you need to get through.
0: Yeah. So the pandemic has, has affected us. I mean, we are actively exploring new ways of offering education in virtual spaces, not just for our ocean-going majors, but also for our shore, shore-based majors. We're leveraging technology like we've never done before we're still trying to keep that personal touch that maritime academies and colleges really pride themselves on. And I think, you know, we're, we're one of probably the only universities or colleges in California right now that has face-to-face instruction going on amidst all of what's, what's happening. And so we're doing that through a very integrated health and safety plan and in close coordination and contact with our faculty and staff and administration to do our best and thread the needle of making sure we're offering education and getting our our cadets to stay on track but also of course keeping safety as the number one the number one priority yeah
1: you have to yeah
0: so and i guess that's also kind of not too much of a stress. I know we've talked a little bit about safety culture earlier on the show, but you know, for us coming in, you know, and briefing people, hey, you need to wear your PPE, you need to follow these protocols. You know, all academies have, you know, a pretty tight educational structure that has a very expansive code of conduct that really helps create that community that we talked about, and they're proud of it and they're proud to be part of that and for them to pick up those protocols and put things into place and understand that it's part of what we need to do to keep everyone safe. That's part of the culture. So it's to our benefit that of all the things going on and all the ways that we can respond to the pandemic, that we're actually well-poised to do that sort of work and to really have a, a group that rallies around it, a community that really believes in it.
1: Yeah. I bet you tell me if I'm wrong here too. But I bet you guys have some of the most professional-looking Zoom calls on the planet, right? Is everybody in their khaki uniform all, you know, for Zoom calls? You, you have any of those yet? Uh, That'd have to look s- super professional.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the the uniforms are definitely an extension of how we exhibit our values as a university. And so for us, you know, the, the cadets really, I think the cadets and, and faculty and staff who wear uniforms you know it represents us, and so for us we're we're very proud of that, and we think that that's again just part of the success that has driven us for for so long.
1: yeah no, I agree. it starts with something that most people don't give much of a second thought most days right you just you just get dressed and you do what you do and we all have you know a, a wardrobe but to have something from such a basic level regimented and something you take pride in and something that you focus on i mean it just sets you up to have pride and and thoughtful you know focused detail through through everything you do you know so fully understand
0: that yeah. And, you know, we've, we've had some really neat, I think, additions to the uniforms. We've got partnerships with Patagonia and Carhartt. So you can kind of see a blend of the industries a little bit there. And those are things that, you know, really, you know, have some utility, not, not just here on campus, but things that they wear out all over the world.
1: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I was just thinking more from like the Zoom calls and the remote work and learning that I've been watching. Everybody's like in pajamas and like just lounging around, getting stuff done. I was really hoping you guys are still, if you do have to have any Zoom calls, I I was really hoping still have the uniforms on and be looking sharp on every one of those little boxes on the screen. It was just, it would look super professional to me.
0: Yeah. So we we have some of that that's going on, but I think we also recognize the need at times to sort of take a knee and make sure that we give our chance, we give our cadets a chance to reconstitute and kind of relax a little bit. And, you know, while the uniform is a really strong extension of our values, we think that you could pick a Cal Maritime cadet out whether they were wearing their uniform or whether they were just kind of in street clothes just by the way that they carry themselves and the way that they treat other people. Awesome. Good point
1: to end on there. David, anything you wanted to get out to the audience that we haven't touched on?
0: No, I think, Andy, this has been a really great call. Amidst everything that's going on, it's really nice to connect and share a little bit of what's going on out here in California and just really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. Everybody
1: listening, of course, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for hopefully subscribing to the show, wherever you might receive this content. We hope you enjoyed it. Again, if you leave, can leave feedback, share the show. If you think you might make a guest for a future show, I welcome any contact there. So thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.
2: Hey, everybody, Alex here with the events on deck. So due to current circumstances, of course, we are not able to have any in-person events. So I have nothing of that nature to update you guys on. But we have been hosting some virtual events. So OGGN is wanting to offer free webinars, live happy hours, etc. during this time. Since these events are not scheduled out as far in advance as in-person events we would like to keep you guys updated via facebook linkedin and twitter so be sure to keep checking up on that and we'll keep you guys posted on anything we're offering it has been free we want to offer you guys value during this time that we're all at home so please continue checking in and joining us for these virtual events we are looking forward to seeing you guys whenever we're able to have in-person events and hope you're staying safe and sound Tune in next week for another episode of the Oil & Gas Offshore podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasoffshore.com.